podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I hate Missouri. Now, this is something that goes farther than just a college sports rivalry. This is something that you are taught, something that you learn growing up in the state of Kansas. Learning Kansas history and learning that these two states that share a border, that share one of the biggest and most important cities in the Midwest, were founded basically as complete contradictions to each other. So yes, I hate Missouri. I hate the University of Missouri and their athletic department. From some of those hate-filled games in the Octagon of Doom to sitting in the student section in 2011 and getting to sarcastically cheer and chant SEC as Gary Pinkle walked off the field with the tail in between his legs. I hate Mizzou. I remember going to the Big 12 tournament in Kemper Arena and booing the team in black and gold. I hate Mizzou. Now you can make the arguments and you can say, oh, it's not a world-famous rivalry. It's not Farmageddon. It's not the Sunflower Showdown. Most would say it's not even the K-State-Nebraska game. Of course, it's not the KU-Mizzou game. There are a lot of rivalries that have died because of conference realignment that maybe are more important than this one. But this is the 98th time that these two teams are going to square off on the gridiron. And I can tell you this, that I hate Mizzou. You look back at some of those games and those special moments that have been involved between the two teams. You think of the 2005 game, the final game in Bill Snyder 1.0 with that pick six to ice the game off. You think of the 1998 comeback in Columbia that gave us our first berth in the Big 12 championship game. And I always come back to that 2011 game, the game a decade ago, that sent them off from a spot where they had legitimate rivalries, legitimate histories, to being nothing but a schedule filler in a paid Mercenary to take L after L in the SEC. I hate Mizzou. Now, if you are right here in the battleground ground zero in the Kansas City Metro or anywhere in the great state of Kansas, or if you've left, God forbid you're too far deep into the belly of the beast of Missouri, I hope you remember this as you're getting ready to go to Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday or drinking coffee, getting ready to watch it at home. Hate is not always a bad thing when you send it the correct direction. It's the moment of the evening Every K-State fan enjoys Settle down and pour a whiskey 
Jack open a LaCroix Please put your hands together And make a little noise For your favorite wildcatters The handsome Bosco boys Boom, the boys are back. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, good dogs, and everyone who has a bonehead. It's time to talk K-State Mizzou. <laughs> As you guys could hear from my intro, I am pumped. This one is a big one for me, and I think this is a big one for all K-State fans, and honestly, I think all Big 12 fans as well. Coming down from the high of that first week of college football, and quite frankly, I, I I I am so happy the season is truly back. I think I've watched the K State South Dakota game a couple times. Uh, you know, I, I watched college football late into the night every night since Thursday. Don't get me wrong, I love NFL football, but I wish we had a couple more weeks where it was just college football. But that's fine. We are here to talk K-State versus Mizzou. But before we do, crack it open. My Manhattan Brewing Company, the beer of the pot. And guys, I can't get enough of this one. It is the tailgate beer of the year. That is right. It is the Townie American Wheat Beer. You know, I, I love this beer. It is so delicious. It is so crisp. And I think... You know, I think it was friend of the show, uh, Ryan, who said on Twitter that, you know, in the Midwest, in this region, uh, there is a pretty uh, well-known wheat beer. We'll just leave it at that. And Towny Wheat, I think, stands up to and even eclipses it. This is the most refreshing and exciting wheat beer I've ever had. I can't have enough of it. I've already drank. This is one of my last ones left. I'm going to have to go in and get a couple more four packs. It is delicious. And remember, guys, check out Manhattan Brewing Company. If you're going to be there this weekend, if you're going to be in Manhattan the entire weekend, or if you live in Manhattan, Friday night, Stan Weber is going to be out there. They have all sorts of stuff going on. They have some charities and some raffles, some stuff going on for a good cause out there on Friday as folks are getting hyped up for the Mizzou game. On September 5th, they're going to have their Oktoberfest celebration. You know we're pumped for their pumpkin pie beer. I'm waiting for it just to get a little bit chillier, and I'm going to be drinking that thing down like there's no tomorrow. I've been nice. I've built some four-packs for some folks, uh, but I'm never giving away a single one of the cans of my pumpkin batch pumpkin beer. I cannot wait to have that. Uh, later on this month, they're going to have a Swag Team 6 collaboration with the K-State equipment team. It's going to be called Swag Team 6. Uh, it's a citrusy IPA. You're going to love it. And I'm telling you guys, get in there. Next time in your Manhattan, drink a couple pints, grab a couple four-packs to go, and make sure you're the cool guy at the tailgate bringing some Manhattan Brewing Company beer. I love those guys. All right, let's get into it. Before we talk about Chris Kleiman's pre-game press conference, uh, we got a pretty big commitment uh, this week. Happened on Labor Day. Three-star defensive end Jordan Allen out of Olathe South decided to be a Wildcat. Another big pickup, a num- another member of the Ad Astra All-Stars. This is the greatest prep class in the history of the state of Kansas. 
And K-State now, I believe, has six or seven guys. Yeah, it's six of the top 12 guys in the state of Kansas. Again, the greatest class the state has ever seen. You have six out of the top 12. And you definitely have a shot still at JRJ, John Randall Jr., uh, to get seven out of the top 12. Uh, And this is massive. Jordan Allen's number five in the class. He's a top 50 defensive end in the class or in the nation number five player in the state of kansas number 50 uh defensive end in the nation Uh, this is another big time pickup um iowa state iowa mizzou usc washington ku all sorts of programs in on them and it's another head-to-head win uh beating matt campbell beating lincoln riley uh, weird enough, like this is the third or fourth time we've gone head-to-head with Lincoln Riley at USC and beat them out for a Kansas kid. I'm over the moon. This is another great pickup. This is a hyper-athletic guy. This is going to be someone who Buddy Wyatt is going to get to mold. He's going to be able to take him from being a raw athlete to a future NFL draft pick. You know, we, we've seen it with Felix. He's going to be a future NFL draft pick. I think we're going to see it with Nate Matlack, who's also from Olathe. And I think eventually you're going to see this with Jordan Allen. I think Jordan Allen's going to take a little bit longer. I think it is going to, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to leave early. We'll just put it like that. But I think he he is a future NFL frame. He is a future NFL athlete. And again, if Buddy White can develop him like he has a few guys already, you know, he, he got White Hubert to that next level. Uh, he's, you know, I, I think he will end up being the fourth defensive end drafted in the Chris Kleiman era. This will be the uh, third one that they develop front end. Because again, Wyatt Hubert, he was there just that one year. Um so, you can't give them a t- all the credit, uh, but but you, you can give them some. So, this is another pickup. Again, you're, you're doing so much better in the state than you have been in the past. You're still doing you're, you're doing better in Kansas City than you have in the past. You're able to really start uh, reversing this narrative, especially about Kansas City and Kansas kids going head-to-head with Iowa State. Uh, no doubt about it. They had a great run at it last year, beating K-State head-to-head with a lot of guys. But that just is not the case this year. K-State is kicking Iowa State's ass in head-to-head recruiting battles in this 2022 class. And again, with as great as it is in the state of Kansas, this is the year to turn it on. This is the year to turn it on. It sounds like Jordan Allen had a great visit last week. He's going to be back in town for this Missouri game. It sounds like a lot of the local kids are going to be around. They're going to have a lot of the commitments around. Uh, I don't think you're going to have a ton of official visitors, so I don't think there's going to be a ton of recruiting news coming out of it. But if you're looking for recruiting news, K-State Online and the On3 Network, EMA Online on the Rivals Network, Go Powercat over on 247. K-State is covered from head to toe when it comes to recruiting coverage. There's never been a better time to be a K-State Wildcat and getting your coverage. Uh, Again, I think for the size of the fan base, for the size of the university, no other football program, no no other athletic department in the world has the quality and quantity of folks covering the team. 
but yeah, I'm pumped for Jordan Allen. Again, I, I think K-State's now done at defensive end. They have a handful of guys. They have guys who can play that Felix role, that Nate role, that big Jay Pickle uh, role. So I think they're covered on defensive end. Uh, maybe in the bye week or maybe during one of the uh, Thursday roundup shows here soon, I'm going to try to get someone on to really give you guys a little bit extra uh, taste of recruiting. It won't be this week. Maybe uh, for the roundup, the, the wraparound, whip around next Thursday, we'll do that. Uh, let me know if that's something you want. Otherwise, uh, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll keep the uh, whip around the way it is. Uh, but now let's let's get into it. Let's get to the meat of it. The Coach Kleiman press conference. Coach Kleiman had a lot of high praise for the K-State fans in recounting the atmosphere for that opener. But he did challenge them saying, hey, let's go that next level. Let's get a little bit louder. Let's get a little bit rowdier. He said in a playful way. It was like basically like, all right, you know, let, let's, let's go to the next level. It wasn't like he was... Uh, challenging challenging us K-State fans in a bad way. I think he had a smirk. He was trying to egg things on. I, I think I think he has something up his sleeve. There's something, again, I said it last week, and we saw how that worked out, 35 nothing or 34 nothing. I, I think Chris Kleiman, there, there's something, he, he is sneaky confident because you can tell by the way he joked around. He is feeling good about this week. Um, something that's not good, Taylor Portier is out for the season. You feel you just feel for the guy. Um, tore up his knee again, out for the season. Um, you hope that he's going to rehab and maybe come back next year. Uh, but back to back years with early, I mean, hell, he didn't even get to play last year. Back to back years with season ending knee injuries, you feel for the guy. Uh, whatever he decides to do, I, I hope it's coming back and playing football for K State next year. Um, but if not, uh, he is a quality young man, and it sucks. It sucks to see it hurts. Um, you know, there, there's 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 no other way around it. It just sucks uh, to see a career just derailed by injuries like that. Uh, because of that, the plan is to start Hadley Panzer at right guard. We saw him play guard. We saw him play center versus South Dakota. I mean, he's been a guy that has been loved up and hyped up by folks uh, all spring and all fall camp long so you know it's not good and when you lose someone even if you have some depth you're now chipping away at that depth and I do think that takes away from that margin of error you know I I think until Andrew Line Gang uh, starts to really uh, improve really uh, take some strides um, or Whit Mitchum or so, some of these younger guys they really now have to step forward and they have to step forward uh, sooner rather than later because because of this move, you don't have any margin of error. If someone goes down, you are then going to have to start playing a guy who probably isn't ready. I think we came into the season with six ready-to-go power five offensive linemen at the caliber that we want to play, and now we're down to five. Luckily, you only have to play five, but you need to start getting some of these guys up to speed, whether it's guys on the inside or outside, because luckily KT can play guard. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to get into a world where uh, we're having to, uh, you know, make Cooper Beebe or Andrew Liongang play right guard, um, you know, flipping them to the other side of the field uh, because of more injuries on the inside. Uh, you, you don't want to see that. So I, I'm hoping it doesn't come to that. But you at least have the flexibility. Basically, all your left tackles, BB, KT, and Line Gang, all of them can play inside as well. 
Uh, so hopefully it doesn't come to that, but it is something we're going to have to keep an eye on because uh, sadly you now are down one of your top three offensive linemen. And hopefully it's nothing to lose sleep over, but it, but it is something that has to be in your consciousness moving forward. Um, talking about uh, Missouri in their offense, Kleiman said they really have a wide zone, which then also leads, leads to the counter game. They also have dynamic wide receivers in their room, which is going to uh, be a challenge for K-State. I'll say this. They do have a couple dynamic wide receivers, and their running back and offensive line are good. I don't trust their quarterback. So I... And, and I said that I don't actually think their offensive line is good. I think their offensive line is going to struggle. What we're going to have to worry about, and Coach Kleiman points this out, are the trick plays. And, and the counter in some of these reverse stuff, and, you know, not every trick play is a flea flicker, triple pass, or anything like that, which Missouri has those trick plays in their arsenal. It is the counter game. It is the misdirection. It is the play-action pass. And Coach Kleiman called it out and said, hey, we have to be ready because Missouri has a lot of trick plays and gadget plays up their sleeve. And that is the thing that we have seen consistently throughout the Chris Kleiman era and how aggressive they play on defense is how susceptible we are to that. Missouri knows that. they. You can say what you want about you know their coaching staff, and I think Eli Drinkwitz is a fucking dork. But, but they're at the Power 5 level for a reason. And the dork won a bunch of games at Appalachian State. And, he, and he's gotten Missouri to a bowl game as well. So they are capable of looking at the defense and seeing that, hey, they play aggressive. They play fast. They're going to be susceptible to big trick plays. So Chris Kleiman knows that. I'm sure Klanderman knows that. We all know that. So it will be interesting to see how we stack up about it. Uh, There's a lot of high praise for Austin Moore, and we're going to need to see Austin Moore continue to play at that level. I don't anticipate seeing Will Honus anytime soon. I don't anticipate, quite frankly, seeing Sean Robinson anytime soon. Uh, So Austin Moore is going to have to step up and be that solid guy right next to Daniel Green. Now, we saw Jake Clifton have a good game. We saw Purnell have a good game, the Topeka Cat Purnell, Uh, but... Austin Moore's an older guy. He granted that last week was his first start, but he has played football. He's played a lot of special teams. He knows the speed at which a power five game will be competing at. So we're going to need to need to have him have a big game versus Mizzou and every game beyond here, because I'll say this. I, if you put a gun to my head and made me predict it, I think Austin Moore is going to be your starter the entire season. As long as there aren't any injuries. So while he did get a lot of high praise, and I thought he played very well versus South Dakota, we're going to have to see him play that well versus a much higher caliber team. Because, you know, Coach Kleiman did, and I don't remember if I had this written down in the outline, he did say that Sean Robinson has a chance to be coming back this week. I don't think it's going to happen. I do not think we're going to see Sean Robinson this week. And I don't think you go from being number one on the depth chart to not being on the depth chart if they think you're going to be there. Especially since there's no incentive to tell the truth on the depth chart. Taking him off the depth chart completely tells me that they don't believe he's going to be playing this week. And I don't know if we're going to see him in the two-lane game as well. We'll see. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I hope this is one of them that uh, I am wrong about. I I, I truly do. Um, Getting through the rest of it, he, he did come out and say that we left some plays 
out there on the field on offense during week one. And I think it was a little bit more critical than I've seen than, than he was in the post game. This typically happens coming out of uh, Coach Kleiman watching that game film. And he was honest. He said it a couple times. We left a couple big plays out there. And, and this is where Chris Kleiman, I know some folks, you know, early on in the, basically during spring and fall camp, it's a lot of coach speak. But now that we're in game weeks, I think he almost overshared. So he was pretty critical of the offense saying, hey, we left some stuff out there. We have to be able to execute at a higher level so we can do it. He did praise them for playing a clean game, but he he specifically called out that we need to see that growth of execution, getting those big plays, going from week one to week two. And I agree. I, I don't think that's anything that anyone who watched that game would disagree with. He was specifically asked about, uh, you know, that deep passing game versus South Dakota. He, he really did heap some praise on South Dakota and said they were showing them some stuff that they didn't see. Again, while he was critical about leaving some plays out there, when given the chance because they set it up, oh, what, what was it that South Dakota did? He's going to throw some roses the way of his former uh, conference foe, South Dakota. Um, Lots of high praise for Eli Huggins and and. This show, me specifically, Eli Huggins is the forgotten guy. He is an elite level nose guard. And all you need to know is he was out there uh, playing in, playing more snaps than an NFL Timmy Horn, who's on a 53-man roster at the Atlanta Falcons. That's how good Eli Huggins is. He got a sack, got a tackle for a loss. He was part of the player breakout media. The guy's composed, the guy is mature, the guy is football smart. And I absolutely think that. To, for K-State to have a big season, he's going to have to be a big part of it. Again, that is some of the fun about having Jalen Pickle, having Nate Matlack, having Felix Indike Uzama out there because, again, he probably gets double teamed less than any other nose guard playing in a three-man front in America. So when he's able to do that, he's able to go head-to-head with the center, and I don't think there are many centers in, in, in college football that I would say, hey, I'm taking them one-on-one with Eli Huggins. That's what makes this defensive line so dangerous. Lots of great words for DJ Giddens. Talked about how hard he ran. I think we're gonna see. Uh, I think we're gonna see DJ all season long as that number two running back, and I, I think it's gonna be exciting. Uh, he he did. You know, Chris Kleiman had a massive smile when he said that he was excited to see Jake Rubley get out there. Uh, which I think I think that says a lot. I think there are some folks, maybe even around the program, that kind maybe not gave up on uh, Jake Rubley, but they're like, yeah, I don't know. We don't know if we're going. I think there are still plenty of folks inside that complex that believe in Jake Rubley. Coach Klein did openly say he kept things more vanilla, especially in the second half. And he did say that they wanted to protect Deuce, Phillip, and Malik on offense, especially once they got up big. I think him flat out saying it, I don't think he would flat out say that type of stuff if it was a lie. That really does make me feel a little bit more calm when it comes to last week's result. Apparently, VJ Payne didn't even know until Wednesday he was going to be starting, and he didn't even have a full 10 practices to be practicing at free safety. They had him at other roles, and I think that's something exciting. If we were able to see VJ Payne come in and play that well only with 10 practices, just imagine what he's going to look like by conference play. Imagine what he's going to look like by the end of the season. Now, I think we all hope that uh, Josh Hayes is back sooner rather than later, and I think we're going to see him on Saturday. 
So you won't have to lean on BJ Payne as much. But it's exciting to see a true freshman play that well. With only 10 games under his, or practices under his belt, I, I think I think that's awesome. He also said that Jax was out medically last week, should be back this week. Um, a lot of praise for Missouri in their front, their front uh, seven. Says that, case that they're going to move around a lot. And this is something that I think the offensive line is really going to have to key in on. They're going to have to communicate because... Where they did have some breakdowns for South Dakota was communication, missing a couple blitzers, missing a couple stunts. So they're going to have to communicate. They're going to have to really be on their toes versus the uh, front seven for Missouri because they like to stunt. They like to blitz. They're going to have to be blocking with their heads up. And and I I think they're going to do it. I think we're going to see a very sound performance from the offensive line. Now, I can say that because I'm a massive fan of Connor Riley, but if we don't have it, we're going to be in trouble. I think we all know that. This team, especially on offense, is so dependent on the offensive line. So hopefully they're communicating. Hopefully they're out there because Chris Kleiman made it a point to talk about how well that front seven moves around, disguises some of their blitzing and stunts. Um, A lot of praise for Khalid Duke. Uh, everyone, he said that he's hoping to get better as the season goes on. I'll say this. I, I thought Khalid Duke looked way better out there than I anticipated. Chris Kleiman once again kind of called out his conditioning. So maybe Khalid needs to be running a couple extra gassers. I don't know. But that was a point that he called out last week in the pregame press conference. He called it in again. But, I mean, he played quite a few plays. And he's still playing a position where he's learning. Uh, he didn't really get to practice much at all in the spring. He's just kind of learning this uh, role because he didn't get to go through much of last season. He got hurt in the third game last year. So we're going to have to see what happens. Now, if Sean Robinson continues to be out as long as I'm fearful, Khalid Duke's going to have to get better in space. He's going to have to get better covering the flats and the slot. I do worry about that a little bit. But in those passing downs or when you have Khalid Duke, uh, in the box, rushing the quarterback, you can still see that explosiveness. You can still see that pass rush ability that we all fell in love with during that COVID season. So I, I'm hoping we get Khalid some help. I, I'm hoping whether it's Purnell continuing to take steps forward or Sean Robinson, it's going to have to be Purnell uh, in, in this Missouri game, I believe. Uh, we're going to have to see it because uh, I, I don't want to see Khalid Duke covering slot guys. But, but when he runs, Chris Kleiman said this, when he runs through someone, he makes it hurt. And we're going to need to see that versus Missouri. We're going to need to set some tones. We're going to have to have some tone setters on defense to let this Missouri offense know, hey, it's going to be a long game. And Khalid Duke is at the top of my list of guys who can be that tone setter. Uh, so he was asked, Chris Kleiman was asked, like, does this feel like a rivalry inside veneer? Because... I think a lot of the fans, we, we see it on Twitter, we see it on message boards, all of our group chats. My generation, and I know, and I've been made aware of this, and shout out to all the college kids and even high school kids listening to this show. Uh, first off to the high school kids, don't cuss as much as I am. College kids, cuss, do whatever you want. But, you know, my generation grew up watching these K-State Missouri games. You know, I, I remember watching the 1998 game in a bar in San Diego because my family was out there for a vacation. Uh, I remember watching that game. I remember the 2005 game. I was there when we got the pick six 
to uh, you know clinch that final game of the Snyder 1.0 era when he retired the first time. I remember the 2011 game when I was a student, and, and I mentioned in the opener, sarcastically chanting SEC as they walked off the off the field. And even more so in basketball, those hate-filled games inside the Octagon of Doom. I mean, Jacob Poland talked about how him and his teams kind of had fun playing versus KU, and that was like a fun rivalry, but it was Missouri who they really hated. So I remember all that, and the, the guys playing, they, they don't have any recollection of it. It's been 11 years. The kids who are going to be in the student section on Saturday, they don't remember that. It's been forever. They were like six years old the last time this game was played. So Chris Kleiman has gotten some of the older players to come back, talk about the game, what it was in their era. He got some of the Missouri kids to talk about how they were overlooked by Mizzou. So I think it's starting to ramp up and it's starting to feel like a rivalry inside the Veneer Family Football Complex. And and I'm glad it is because this game truly is one that I've had circled on this list for a couple years now. Uh, He was asked about Chris Tennant. Uh, Chris Kleiman, you know, Kleiman said that Tennant is is a good kicker. Uh, he has the talent, but you didn't. You don't talk to him. He basically was saying like, "Hey, when when a kicker misses something, you don't go talk to him. You just kind of leave them alone." I don't know if that is the right thing to do. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not a sports psychologist. I wasn't a kicker. Uh, I think it's an interesting thing, but I trust C- Coach Kleiman. I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna trust him. And, and you, you can see the leg. You just got to get it through the uprights. Uh, the, Chris Tennant needs to have a clean game. And I I hope it's just a bunch of extra points. I'm hoping we don't need a lot of field goals. Uh, But he needs a clean game just to kind of get his own mind right, I think. Because the leg talent is there. I I do believe that. Uh, Andrew Langan got mentioned again. Uh, Apparently, he he didn't even start practicing uh, until the Tuesday before the game week. He he was on on the table I guess on August 15th and had not practiced again until Tuesday of game week. And again, I had such high hopes for him this season. And I think he's going to be a future draft pick. I think he's going to be another one of Connor Riley's draft picks. He's going to be first team all conference before he leaves. Uh, But it it sucks that he wasn't able to practice much uh, this season. But I thought he looked fine in those early games. It it makes a little more sense when I rewatched it. You know, his snaps were a little rough, but again, if he only had a few practices under his belt, because I don't even know. I mean, he, he probably got hurt that first padded practice. Um, you, you see the potential there, and I just hope he continues to grow throughout the season. Because as we talked about earlier, we're going to need to see that depth. Hopefully we don't need the depth versus Missouri. But with Connor Riley wanting to rotate around, Langing is probably around the top guy that you feel comfortable with bringing in for those rotations. It'll be interesting to see how Connor Riley deals with the O-line rotations coming up on Saturday. Because if he wants to keep those rotations going like he's done in the past, I think it's going to have to be line game. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, TJ Smith was ar- running around uh, during practice on Monday. That's no contact. Today is a contact practice. We'll try to see if we can pick up on anything Wednesday and we will give you guys an update before the whip around. Um, 
we, we talked about this. Uh, he, he doubled back and said the offense left a lot to uh, be desired, left some execution on the table, said that he, they need to improve that going from one, week one to week two. He was a little bit critical on the defense, saying that their angles were not great, uh, and he attributed that to they didn't tackle much at all in fall camp this year because they really were focused on trying to get to week one healthy. Which is fine. Um, does make me a little nervous uh, because you, you do have some playmakers for Missouri, especially on the outside for them. Um, so you got to make it count. You got to make your tackling count upcoming this week. Um, the final two things Kobe Savage, some high praise for Kobe Savage. Uh, we, we heard Klanderman say this back uh, a couple weeks ago. Now we're hearing uh, Kleiman say it. Kobe Savage doesn't care about the 20-hour rule. Apparently, he is always in the Veneer Family Football Complex. He's always watching tape. He's in the offices, even when none of the players are, even when some of the coaches aren't. Uh, So there's a lot of high praise for Kobe Savage and how he goes about his craft. Um, we this is it's not like a one year thing with Kobe Savage. We, we still have more football beyond this year with Kobe Savage, and I think by the time he leaves Manhattan, he is going to be one of those fan favorites. We saw it. He plays with some swagger when he arrives. He arrives with authority when he's hitting. So I'm looking forward to some Kobe Savage action this weekend. Also, he said Julius and Echo are going to be challenged this week, but those two guys are excited for it. I'm excited for it as well. These two guys are like. I think they're NFL boundary corners and they're getting to go up against, you know, a five-star number one wide receiver in the nation for his recruiting class this weekend. You know, the guy who is being heralded as the savior of the Missouri football program. And and I want to see them go head to head. I want to see them lock him up and get a pick uh, because they're going to get the opportunity to, or just completely take him away. I mean, that'd be fine too, but I prefer to see them lock him up and get an interception. That would be fun. I think this might be the week we finally see the Echo Boydo pick six. We've been waiting for this his entire career. Because once he gets the hands on the ball, I legitimately think he's going for six. So now let's kind of get into what what this game means. Just what this uh, game on Saturday looks like from my point of view. Now anyone who listened to my uh, thematic opening knows how I feel about this game. You know, this rivalry has been dormant for over a decade, and obviously it isn't, you know, the KU-Missouri rivalry or K-State-Iowa State, K-State-KU. It's not one of these top rivalries when when you're thinking about the history of, you know, college football or anything like that. But this game was first played in 1909. You know, up until 2011 when Missouri left, This game was played every single year since 1927. It is very similar to a lot of those Big 8 rivalries when you have that longevity, when you have that shared history. Shout out to Will, who runs the uh, Twitter account, To The Ville, and he, he does the graphics, he does a lot of stuff with our show. I mean, he's pulling up stuff from the 1920s, 1930s, where, you know, we, we were stealing. Well, who, who knows if we actually stole a goat from Missouri or if they were doing, like, the play on words, you know, we got their goat type thing. But, you know, th- there were pictures from, you know, fraternities in the r- old rooster clubs, which I didn't know they were called rooster clubs before booster clubs. But, hey, the, the more you learn. But I was stealing a goat and uh, us making a big deal of getting Missouri's goat. Um, 
there's all sorts of these funny stories of the rivalry in football over all those years. And again, uh, you know, they, they were very dominant for a run of time pre-Bill Snyder. So again, it isn't this, you know, oh, back and forth, you know, 50-50 rivalry, kind of similar to what it is in basketball where you have those heated, like truly hate-filled rivalries back, you know, Jack Hartman versus Norm Stewart, uh, you know, the Octagon of Doom, Jacob Poland versus Stefan Hanna and all these types of uh, rivalries, you know, and big time games in, in the late millennium, early aughts before they went to the SEC. But it is a school that is extremely close. It is a school that you have all this history with. K-State's playing Missouri in volleyball on Wednesday, and by God, I want to win that volleyball game pretty, pretty, you know, I'm getting hyped up for that volleyball game. That's tonight at 6 p.m. if you guys are listening to this on release night. I I don't like them. There's no part of me that likes Missouri, uh, the athletic department. Um, Again, you grow up going to school in Kansas, learning Kansas history, you, you hear about, you know, how the two states were founded, and basically they were founded in complete opposite of them. You, you can't help but dislike it. Living here in the Kansas City metro area, you know, you, you don't see as many, you know, Mizzou fans as you might think, but the ones you do run into, they're a little arrogant. The people who have the Missouri tags, they don't drive real well. They don't hold the door open. They, they just are, it's a j- different type of person. And yes, there's generalities and all this type of stuff, but that's what makes college football fun. You have the history that goes even beyond the founding of the institutions. And there is just something that makes your blood boil when you see the black and gold with the M paw print, with that stupid Missouri Tiger logo. You know, this is just something that the long-term history just breeds the hate. And just because they're gone for now 11 years, that just doesn't vanish. You know, that, that final game that they that they played here, that is one of those games that just kind of hovers around the field at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. It's one of those games that just the aura is always going to be there in the memories, at least for me. Now, if you look at this specific team, the game is truly a jumping off point. They won 34 to nothing uh, in the FCS warm-up game. And now this is the big test before conference play at the end of the month when you go to Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, you know, you play Tulane next week, but again, this is the big one. This is the one where you're going to be facing off against athletes who, you know, were more talented, quote-unquote talented coming out of high school. This is a team that's going to have more blue-chip guys than we have. Uh, this is going to be a game that at least like kind of on paper when you're looking at the blue chip index and all these like recruiting, you know, formulas that are supposed to say whether a team's going to be successful or not. You know, this is the type of game we're going to be facing all season long where on paper they're supposed to be better. Now, K-State's coaching staff is better. K-State develops players much better. The culture, the buy-in better. So obviously that doesn't mean everything, but this is the first game of the season, and it is the jumping off point because, again, I, I, Tulane is not in that. We, we should roll Tulane. But this is going to be the game that if you don't win it, all of a sudden some doubt starts creeping into your mind about can this be a special se- season. This is the type of game that you need to win to if you want to you know, make the doubters and the haters wrong. K-State once again actually losing votes in the coaches poll and staying stagnant in the AP poll. Do we want respect? Do we want to kind of announce ourselves onto the stage? This is the type of game 
that matters. If you want to keep the fans in a fever pitch because we saw a sellout last week, we're going to have a sellout this week. Do you want to keep that or not? You lose this game, you're not going to sell any tickets in the lead up to the Tulane game. You win this game with some swagger, you're going to see another five to 6,000 tickets sold. That's why this game is so important. And, and like I said, this game has no bearing on whether or not we're going to be playing in Arlington that finals or that first Saturday in December. But if you don't take care of business versus a you're, you're the first Power 5 team, like I said, doubt is going to creep in whether it should or shouldn't. This game is also going to go a long way in setting the narratives for some of your star players. We talked about it earlier. Echo Boydo and Julius Brents are going to go head-to-head with a five-star you know, recruit, a five-star wide receiver, a top-five player in this past recruiting class. And if you want to make a statement and tell the NFL, oh, hey, by the way, I'm a dude. This is the type of game you need to step up for. If you want to you know, show up on NFL mock drafts, if you want to be a contender for an All-American type game, this is this is the game, or All-American team, this is the game where you have to step up and shut them down. And we're going to need them. Everyone remembers that Arkansas State game when they had a talented wide receiver sing, almost single-handedly beat us because no one could stop them. If we have a game like this, like that, this weekend, Missouri's going to be able to score it well. But luckily, I think we have those corners who are ready to play versus big-time players in big-time games. And that's going to be an individual matchup I'm watching. Those two boundary corners against those big-time wide receivers at Missouri. And again, it comes to Felix as well. Felix, if he wants to continue to build on his resume, build on his NFL draft prospects, if he wants to build on the legend that is Felix Inudike Uzama, he can't be taken out of the game. He can't be putting up a goose egg. Now, does he have to get multiple sacks? No. But he needs to be taking up those two defenders. So whether it's Pickle, whether it's Matlack, whether it's Eli Huggins, they can get their one-on-ones. He needs to be disruptive. He needs to put his stamp on the game. Same goes with Deuce. Deuce, again, he is the when, when you want to win big time games, you need your big time players to show up. We saw what Deuce Vaughn could do in limited action last week. Over 120 yards and a touchdown. We need to see that again versus these big time games. And and Deuce, he's not gonna get as many plays off as he did versus South Dakota. He's gonna have to buckle it in because we're gonna need him. And Adrian Martinez, everyone, this is the the talking point. This is the number one on-the-field talking point from that entire game. Adrian Martinez not being able to stretch the ball down the field. I think he is going to show up, and we're going to see, you know, a 250, 260-yard passing performance. I think he's going to have another clean game because that's what we need. Now, I believe in Adrian Martinez. I think he's going to give us what we need when we need it. Last week, all we needed him to do was take care of the ball and get us to, you know, the fourth quarter. This week, we're going to need more from him, and I think he's going to deliver. But again, it's those star players on offense and on defense that they need to show up not only for their own legend, for their own legacy, but for K-State to get this game done. Another thing, and again, it probably doesn't mean as much in the recruiting world as folks might think, going head-to-head on the gridiron. But again, K-State goes head-to-head for... Players with Missouri in this region all the time. They're going head-to-head with almost every single guy in the Kansas City Metro with Missouri. We just saw the win with Jordan Allen, but there's a pretty famous, you know, famous isn't probably the right word, high-profile recruiting battle that didn't go our way with a Kansas City guy 
going to Mizzou. Now, there's going to be a ton of the local and regional kids coming to this game. It's 11 a.m., so I don't think any of them are officials. But you're going to have Avery Johnson there. You're going to have Jordan Allen there. You're maybe going to have John Randall Jr. You're going to have all your Kansas and Kansas City commits there. And they're going to be on social media. They're going to be having the time of their lives. Hopefully, they're going to be pumping up how great of a crowd there is. If you get a big win, if you get a nice little statement win... All of a sudden, there might be a little bit of FOMO for the folks in the Kansas City area who are choosing maybe to go to Columbia instead of Manhattan. Now again, what happens on the field is not the biggest impact, but it's not going to hurt. And being able to you know, fly that flag, that's going to be awesome. I think it's also a big deal for the Big 12 as well because if you want to announce yourself as a conference, and, and yes, K-State's not in the top 25. None of the coaches voted for us this past week. We got a few more uh, points in the AP poll, and, and we're voted fifth out of ten in the Big Twelve. I get, I get all of that. But if the Big Twelve wants to kind of walk around with the swagger that Brett Yormark wants us to walk around with, you have to beat one of these lower level SEC teams and show, hey, look, your lower level teams cannot compete with us. The whole adage throughout the entire nation is, oh, if you have SEC on the chest, doesn't matter who you're playing, you should walk in there and get the dub. We need to slap that sort of mantra right back where it came from and have a statement win not only for K-State but for the Big 12. This is, I think, the biggest game for the Big 12 when it comes to the perception across the league. We all know Texas is going to get stomped. And, you know, Iowa, Iowa State, that's a nice little rivalry. And I understand it is a nice, you know, top 25 matchup of future uh, conference foes with Baylor and BYU. And an in-state thing with Texas and Houston. Or Texas Tech and Houston. But I think if you want to talk Big 12 perception, this is the game all our Big 12 brethren need to rally around and cheer us on. Because if you slap back one of these members of the SEC, you don't get to, you know, you, you can point to that result whenever Paul Feinbaum talks about how even the lower level SEC teams would be kings of all the other conferences. That's just straight up not true, and that is trash. Missouri has been a paid mercenary to take L's and be a schedule filler their entire time in the SEC. And finally, this would be a much bigger deal if this game wasn't happening the day before the Chiefs kick off their season and five days before their home opener. But living in Kansas City, and you don't see you don't see as many Mizzou fans as as you'd think. But the ones you do see, you don't want to. Uh, have to deal with their bullshit. You want to be able to wear your purple and act a little smug and send them a little wink when you're walking through, you know, Westport, Waldo, downtown Shawnee, OP, Power and Light, any of these areas. Just kind of wink at them. Just laugh because, you know, hey, we got you. There's nothing you can say until next year. If K-State wins, you're not going to hear shit about it on 810 or 610. But you best believe if Mizzou pulls it off, C.Dot Harrison, Stephen St. John, any of these other people who work in sports talk radio and cheer for Missouri, they're going to be running their mouth a little bit on Monday. They're going to get their shots in for the next 12 months whenever they get the chance. I don't want them to get that chance. I want to be able to just kind of wink at them, laugh, go on about my day, get ready for Tulane and Oklahoma, and have a big season. This is a big one, folks. You need the big-time players. 
to make big-time plays. All right, let's get to the keys to be sponsored by Charlie Hustle. Folks, if you didn't get the email, if you didn't see the uh, new images, they just dropped two new designs, the Script Catterday shirt. So if you want to support the Cats on Saturday, get your Script Catterday shirt. They have it on a shirt and on a hoodie. It looks great. I'm telling you, go check it out on their website. And then they just dropped a new Kansas State football vintage helmet tee. And I'm buying that. I'm, I'm not kidding. I put my order in today. I'm buying that. So check out Charlie Hustle, a local Kansas City company, putting out the best officially licensed K-State gear in the game and if you need a little something red for sunday now that the chief season is about to kick off check out their arrowhead collection as well as long as their classic kansas city hearts and other kansas city icons again it is the best officially licensed k-state product from a local kansas city company all right let's get to the keys to v first one from the boneheads this is from the good chef andre napier he says wind Win beyond the line of scrimmage, meaning the defense needs to be playing behind the line of scrimmage in Missouri's backfield, and K-State's offensive line needs to get to the second level on their linebackers and safeties blocking downfield. I could not agree more with this one. If we're going to win on offense, we need to expose the offensive line for Missouri and just assert our dominance. Don't give their quarterback time to throw. Don't give their quarterback time to find their, you know, big flashy five-star wide receivers. Get in their grill early and often and don't let their running game get started because they did have a pretty successful running uh, night versus Louisiana Tech. And then to his point, this is the whole reason why you moved Cooper Beebe to left guard is to be able to double and climb that ladder so you can bust Deuce, bust Adrian, bust Malik, bust DJ the Blue Jay Giddens for these long runs. That's a great key from the good chef Andre Napier. The final one, Powercat Ryan, and at least the final one from the Boneheads. Don't fall for their trick plays. We, ch- we chatted about it at the top. Chris Kleiman knows about it. I think K-State fans know versus... These programs, whether it's you know a lower-level team or one of these Power 5 teams that have the athletes, they know we are prone to give up the big play on a trick play. Whether it's just a simple play-action pass, whether it's the counters, whether it is a double-reverse flea flicker, Statue of Liberty, annexation of Puerto Rico, a fake punt, we are so aggressive that that does make us prone to give up those big plays on trick plays. I hope since Chris Kleiman specifically called it out, we're going to be okay. But it is a great key, and it is something I'm going to be watching. So shout out to Power Cat Ryan. My two are find some sort of passing game, and we don't need to throw it, you know, throw bombs down the field 20 times a game. But we need to be able to connect on a few long range plays. We also need to kind of get the rhythm of that mid-range stuff. You know, not everything has to be 25 yards and deep. We need to find some rhythm on, you know, those, you know, 20 to 15-yard plays. We only saw one of those from Adrian Martinez completed, and we only saw one of them, one one additional one, uh, a deep one tried. It's not... It's not going to be what we live and die by, but being able to do that is going to open up Deuce Vaughn to be able to do what Deuce Vaughn does in the running game and in the passing game. You force teams to have to play every level of coverage. Some of those little dump-offs that we had to do versus South Dakota, 
I mean, we, we saw what Deuce Vaughn could do on one of those plays versus Oklahoma State last year. If you're able to force them to worry about all levels of the field instead of playing umbrella coverage, being able to key in on every small little move that we make on those dump outs, it's going to allow some of those short pe- plays, those short passes to turn into something big. So get something going, get that rhythm going in the mid-range passing game and connect on some of those long-range passes. And then my final one is win the turnover battle. And that is... It's the most basic, you know, pumpkin spice, plaid, scarf in the fall, you know, key to V ever. I get it. I get it. You guys are probably rolling your eyes. No shit when the turnover battle. But for this game, for Missouri to, I think, have a shot in this game, they're going to need to get extra possessions. They're going to have to force K-State to be on their toes. And and the only way, I'm not going to say the only way, but the biggest way for them to do that is to take the ball away from us. Now, if we keep the ball and if we start taking away from them, there's a chance we could get up and maybe blow them out. I'm not going to predict a blowout, but if we're going to put them away early, it's going to be because we connect on some of those big plays and we turn them over and don't even give them a chance to answer. So I think that's going to be a big one. Now, before we get into the game predictions, shout out to our friends over at the 1012 Network. The 1012 Network and Sports Drink have combined, and they're making a very, very cute little baby that is, well, I mean, the network already existed, but now we are part of it. We now get to interact with all those fun 1012 podcasts, the flagship show. Uh, I think we're going to have someone on from Between Two Bears give a uh, primer for the Big 12 game of the week that isn't K-State Missouri, and that's the Baylor-BYU game. We're going to be interacting a lot with them, so check out their shows. They have you covered on the 1012 pod, the flagship show, and they have a show, I think, for every single Big 12 school except for Oklahoma. They're leaving, who cares, and TCU. But Just check out Parker if you want some TCU stuff. So they have you guys covered. They have a Houston pod. I think we're working on a BYU pod. So... Check out the 1012 Network and all the great shows. Pick them last week. I went 14 and 1. Boneheads went 13 and 2. Again, we're only picking winners, so we're going to have a lot of high numbers, but that's that's way more fun. We're doing all the Big 12 games plus some other national games. Let's get to it because this is running long. Uh, Texas hosting Alabama. This is going to be a blowout, which big noon kickoff and. ESPN College Game Day is going to be there. I mean, woof, whatever. I get it. It's the brands. It's two big brands. Alabama's going to absolutely kick their ass. Uh, and Bonehead's agree. 96% of the vote is on Alabama. A future conference game, Houston at Texas Tech. This is 3 p.m. on FS1. The Boneheads are going with Houston in a close one, 54% of the vote. I, too, am going Houston. If Texas Tech didn't have another quarterback injury, I might be tempted to go Texas Tech in this one, but I'm going with Houston. Next, El Asico. El Asico. Iowa State is headed up to Iowa City. This game is 3 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. This is the closest one we've had in a long time. This came down to a handful of votes, but the Boneheads are going with Iowa State, 51-49. to Everything tells me I should pick Iowa State after watching a lot of that Iowa South Dakota State game, where the South, uh, you know the Jackrabbits, you know got three points. Iowa got seven, but four of them came from the safeties. 
But I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I'm picking Iowa. Um, so, you know, go Hawks, I guess. Uh, KU heads to Morgantown for the first Big 12 game of the season. This one kicks off at 5 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. The Boneheads have West Virginia 92% of the vote. I'm going with West Virginia as well. But I'll say this. Uh, this this is like one of those games that has you on KU over two and a half watch if you if you uh, bet that. If you bet KU over two and a half, this is one of those conference games that you have to have on your radar. I mean, can, can West Virginia bounce back after that heartbreaking loss? Uh, can, Neil, can Neil Brown kind of gain his composure? We'll see. I think this one's closer uh, than what the line has it at. I think this is a, you know, a 7 to 10 point game. OU host Kent State, 6 p.m. ESPN+. OU is going to win that. Boneheads have it, 96% of the vote. Oklahoma State hosts Arizona State. The Boneheads have the Cowboys, 97%. I'm with them, uh, 6.30 on ESPN2. TCU plays Tarleton. I don't even think that's a real school, 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Uh, me and the Boneheads, 95-2-5. All right, in another future Big 12 game, Baylor travels to Utah to take on BYU, 9-15 on ESPN. The Boneheads at Baylor with a very nice 69%. I was going to go BYU on this one, but they have uh, some pretty pretty big-time injuries. Uh, they have some of their skill guys. I think two or three of their skill guys sounds like they're not going to play. So I think Baylor wins this one. Uh, some Pac-12 Mountain West after dark. Oregon State after trashing. Boise State heads to Fresno State, 9.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. It's a close one. Boneheads have Oregon State 57%. I'm also going with them. Uh, I think Fresno State, this is going to be much tougher than that Boise State game was. But I don't know. I'm, I might be an Oregon State believer. We'll see. Friday night lights at the bounce house. Louisville at UCF, 6.30 p.m. Friday, ESPN2. Boneheads have UCF, 79%. I have them as well. I bet on Louisville at Syracuse. They got just destroyed. I'm staying away from Louisville rest of the season. Hard pass. The Battle of the Orange and Blue. Virginia goes north to Champaign, Illinois to take on the Fighting Illini. Uh, you know, 3 p.m. ESPNU. The Boneheads have UVA. I'm going with Illinois. I'm going with uh, Brett Bielma and Sean Snyder is the uh, special teams coach up there. 2.30, ABC, number 24, Tennessee heads to number 17, Pittsburgh. This is another close one. Only a handful of votes. 51 to 49, Boneheads have Tennessee. I'm also taking Tennessee. I think Pitt are frauds. I think Tennessee might be frauds too, but uh, I don't know. I don't really have a good reason. I think they're both frauds. Neither one of them should be ranked. UTSA at Army, 11 a.m. on CBS Sports Network. Boneheads are meep meeping with uh, UTSA. I'm also going with the Road Runners after that close call with uh, Houston. Memphis at Navy, also on CBS Sports Network. We have all sorts of CBS Sports Network this week. Um, Bonehead's going with Memphis, 56%. So am I. I think Navy's in trouble. I, I think they're in trouble. And then finally, the one we've been waiting for since 2011. K-State hosting Missouri at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. The Bonehead's out here rocking 98% confidence having K-State beat Missouri. <sighs> I'm going to be nervous all week for this one. I can't wait. You know, it was a short work week. It doesn't feel like it, we should already be at hump day, but here we are. I'm nervous. I'm going to be thinking about this one all week. I do have K-State. I have K-State 28. I have Mizzou 17. 
And, folks, this is a big one. This is a tone setter for the rest of the season. Um, if you don't win this one, heads are going to be hanging, and it's going to take something. It's going to probably take a win in Norman to kind of get the fans back, that rabid mentality back. This is going to be the biggest crowd in Bill Snyder Family Stadium for a very long time, for quite a long time. It's a big one. It is a big one. I wish I could say something poetic. I I, I think K-State gets it done, and this is why. I think ultimately we are better at every spot on the field except for wide receiver. I do believe that. I think we have better coaching. I am a little nervous when it comes to the kicking game, and I'm nervous we didn't see a little bit more from the passing game. That's why I have it only at an 11-point win. Now, I think this very easily could turn into a 45-10 to 10 type win. If we have everything clicking early, I think Missouri might tap out. I just have enough unsured just enough questions with the kicking and passing game that I can't quite predict that. But I do think we're going to see Deuce Vaughn go over 125 yards rushing. I think we're going to see him get back to around 50 to 60 yards receiving. I think at least one or two touchdowns. And I have another prediction. I think we're going to block another punt. I think uh, I think we're going to see Adrian Martinez kind of get a little bit more of that swagger. I, I don't think they're going to have his wings clipped quite as much as they did for South Dakota. I think our defensive line is going to cause a lot of havoc again. And I think it's going to make it so Missouri might get a couple big plays that result in touchdowns. But I think ultimately we make enough stops. We na- make enough big plays that by the end of the game uh, – we're not sweating out a possible last second drive. I, I think that we are going to have a two possession lead in the fourth quarter and see it out. So that's my prediction. If you want to get your prediction in, join us tonight, Wednesday, P, uh, 7 p.m. on Spotify Live. We'll get the Boneheads takes on everything. Check out Charlie Hustle. They just dropped two new K State designs. I like them. I honestly, I'm probably going to buy both. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company. The next time you're in Manhattan, get a couple pints, drink them up, take in the best tap room, maybe in the state of Kansas, the tastiest beer in the Midwest. Grab a couple four-packs and take them to your next tailgate party. So for everyone who has ever loved the great state of Kansas, for John Brown, for Chauncey Bosco, my co-host, the Wonder Pup, we love you guys. I still hate Missouri and go cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea. K-State Wildcats form alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors.
victory. Fight, 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 fight. We pay state wildcats for alma mater. Fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Eye. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be. Fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go state! Podcast Network.